Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it's had on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Spencer Duncanson is a champion for the arts. He fell in love with opera as a child and has been obsessed ever since. As the founder and artistic director of the Little Opera Company in Winnipeg, Spencer has built his career on making opera approachable, enjoyable, and digestible to as many people as possible. As a lifelong educator and mentor to countless young artists, Spencer is guiding the next generation of top-tier singers and helping create strong, capable adults in the process. What would you do if your kid woke up this morning and there was nothing, there was no color on the walls and you know, things of that sort? Art is a part of life. We live it. It makes, it enriches our lives in, in so many ways and people just are so unaware of that. I sat down with Spencer Duncanson to talk about the importance of art in our culture, the value of mentorship, and how to recognize the value of artistic expression. Spencer Duncanson, founder and artistic director of the Little Opera Company, also board member of the Winnipeg Foundation and countless other accolades and, oh, and things. Thank wow. you for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I've known you for a few years now, but you know, on a pretty surface level. So let's, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, where did you, you're a big guy in the arts community, but where did this all or, or originate? Have you always been sort of a fan and a, and a proponent uh, of the arts or take me back to where this first sparked for you? Well, you know, I guess I, I go back to my childhood. <laughs> Great. Uh, when I was a kid, I was, um, a little geeky, and so the arts were where I found myself. I guess that's where I was able to, to, to be sheltered. That was that was uh, also the place where I think I began to find um, my confidence, and and the ability to move and do things that I didn't think I could do. It seems counterintuitive that the arts or putting yourself out there or putting yourself on stage or performing mm -hmm. is somewhere where you would find confidence because many people are terrified of that concept of bearing your soul to an audience. So wh at what point do you gain confidence when you're doing something so um, naked? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing is that um, I guess I... I had this innate love for the arts. Uh, and uh, I, as a kid, I remember being in the school choir, elementary school choir, and the teacher had every, she went around and she listened to every kid. And I didn't sing very loudly because I was incredibly shy. And she said, okay, well, you don't come back to choir again. And I thought, mm, this was the only time I defied a teacher. <laughs> Uh, because I knew that music was was very very important to me, so so um, it was because I wanted it so much, you know. Uh, I was terrified, but I had to have it. So, how was the, where did that come from then? That that desire to I know where did it? I, my mother asked the same question. Really, <laughs> she wasn't singing growing up or anything around the house, and well, you know, uh, the family was. Pretty musical, we, but nobody was as crazy as I was, I guess. So where has that led you exactly in your career? Well, let's see. <laughs> Candid. So it's led me to music education 
uh, led me to music education, uh, which was not exactly the most lucrative job, but it was all right, you know, in terms of monetary gain. But I have to say that uh, it it, uh, also opened my eyes to the needs of others. It was great. Well, youth specifically seems to be a big part of your, um, you know, whole world is, is understanding how to, you know, well, your work with the um, the Little Opera Company and your work with the uh, Winnipeg Boys Choir, right. you know. So talk about the marriage of arts and sort of discipline and finding yourself as a young man and growing into, the, into a man through that um, art form. Okay, that's really quite challenging. For sure. <laughs> we got time. We got time. All right. So um, let's see. Um, the the I used to spend a lot of time sitting in our living room at home in, in Brooklyn, uh, listening to music, classical music. I enjoyed it very much, and it, it was a time of uh, contemplation. Uh, and when everybody else was outside playing games, I was doing the geeky things, and then. Uh, um, I met friends, of course, who of like mind, and uh, and we uh, we were we were a weird group, you know. We tended to to uh, be involved with music when everybody else was taking care of uh, social issues and things of that sort. It wasn't that we didn't care, but it was like a little uh, a, a place of solace. So, and uh, and we would talk, and and then, and then over time, you know, I I came and uh, started teaching here in in Canada, and uh, my first few years, I thought I'm going to teach these kids music. I'm going to teach these kids music, and then I began to realize that it was the kids, not the music, and uh, and I became, I guess, a little more consider it <laughs> imagine that <laughs> imagine so and um and so they taught me basically how to be more um social socially minded and 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 they also taught me the power that the arts have in communicating in their lives and that was that was pretty much it's kind of like a not a sneaky way of of helping you know the arts is a way of giving people the, the sensibility and the confidence to, to truly be themselves, but you don't, that's not day one. It's like, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. You're going to become who you truly are. It's like, we're going to sing some songs. Yeah. And then it kind of, it's, I don't, sneaky is the wrong word, but it's, it's almost yeah, like it's, a, it's a, it's not, it's not the original primary purpose, but that's sort of a, what happens when you do embrace uh, the art form. Yeah. It, uh, and you know, um, at one point, I was doing a little bit of an evaluation of what the arts, how the arts affect the kids. Is it worthwhile? And so I did a survey, gave it to the kids, and I, I always remember this one uh, student who responded, and she said, I've seen a lot of shy kids come into the choir, but I've never seen one leave. And I, I love that. that. Yeah. That's beautiful. How long have you been... Sort of oh, forever. <laughs> since well, the dawning of time. <laughs> well, because the uh, 
Little Opera Company sub- celebrated its 25th recently. Yeah. So five take, when we started that one. Take yeah. me back to 25 <laughs> years ago. What was your original goal and have you achieved it? And how has the goal evolved since a quarter of a century ago? Okay. Well, the, the original goal was um, to provide a platform for young singers uh, to experience to develop their, their craft, right? And also to spread the sort of love for, for opera because opera has been got such a bad um, reputation. So I thought, well, you know, people don't know it. So if we can present it in a manner that makes it short, sweet, and comfortable, maybe they'll be able to see some of the, the richer qualities of it and then expand upon that. Some of that, most of that has happened. Uh, we've had some extraordinary times with some of our singers. And surprisingly, I, the, there have been other things that I hadn't anticipated, such as being able to hire young uh, designers and, and uh, stage managers. And like it, it's, it's just a huge field. So it, it provides a lot of um, opportunity for all of the crafts, all of all of these different uh, um, positions in the arts. And then uh, we just had our 25th gala recital the other on Sunday. And uh, there were some people there who had never been to opera. And they said, you know what? I love this. I'm coming to the next one. And so and that's been the the that's been sort of what's been happening over the years. So that's been good. Has it necessarily translated into big money? No. Has it necessarily translated into huge audiences? Not necessarily because Winnipeg is rich in, in terms of opportunity for the entertainment dollar. So, What are some of the traits of opera that people don't realize are there that you're trying to um, educate people on? Well, um, I would say that it is its ability to, to speak to the human condition, its ability to, to touch you, you emotionally, you know. It's, it's, uh, there's something very rich about that. And it, it's also that idea that you're bringing together drama and music and, you know, art. Everything's coming, in, coming together to dance in front of your audience. Storytelling, I would imagine, is a big part of it. Storytelling is a huge portion of it. How has that uh, evolved for you over the years in understanding? And and what what sorts of stories did you want to tell 25 years ago versus now? All right. So often, and it's it's changed, but not that much. I mean, (laughs) we still want the audience to have a good time. Of course. That's important. Uh, We want them to uh, maybe be more aware of others because opera tends to do that it, it shows you the lives of others and how it and and then to see themselves as well within the opera uh so we used to do more happy pieces now we just do pieces that speak to to the human condition in general is the goal to um, create empathy in the audience or like inspire yeah. empathy? Well, yeah, I think so. I think that that's part of the goal. 
the goal is, I think art, any any art form should touch you, should move you in some sense, and that's what we want to get to. Uh, we, we're doing a show in April. It's called uh, Three Decembers by Jake Hagee. It's obviously a 21st century opera, 20, 20th century opera, and uh, it's about a family that's like every other family. It has it's it's dysfunctional, um, but but it also t- touches uh, on the joys that we experience throughout those dysfunctional moments that sometimes we forget. Mm-hmm. You know, we we just focus on the darker side. But, you know, you don't really notice the darker side if you don't experience the lighter side as well, right? You need yin and yang, right? It sounds like it's attempting to uh, evoke gratitude and understanding those, being thankful for those little moments. For those little moments, exactly. We uh, had uh, two singers sing one of the duets from the opera on on Sunday, and... uh, the response of the audience was just amazing. I didn't expect it, but there was weeping in the audience, and I thought, yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're feeling. They're, They're feeling. feeling. They're emotion. alive. <laughs> has, it, has the audience always been, um, not educated enough, but aware of, enough of the medium to be able to get it? for you in your in your career or has that been a progression of okay now they're able to understand well there are some we have quite a mixed audience right there are those who have been like first timers versus you know lifetime exactly and so um uh we it's hard sometimes playing to both but but that's that's our goal part of the challenge too i would imagine so we talked a little bit about the audience and what your goal is for them but what about you know some of the young men who and women you that you've trained and girls and and kids like what's your goal from a to b when they start their first day singing versus their performance night what do you hope to grow in them and how do you hope that they evolve well what we have done in the past often is we would mix seasoned singers with uh, emerging singers and uh, the 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 goal is to have them actually well develop their craft to get a better understanding of what it's like to communicate to an audience through through singing and acting and the whole package basically mm-hmm. And we've been fortunate. I mean, you know, uh, we've had people uh, such as Anne-Marie McIntosh uh, and Gillian Bonner who did our our, uh, um, uh, Hansel and Gretel some years ago. And and now they're singing in houses all over the country, all over North America. So that's the goal. And then does that... it's a very disciplined art form. You have to be yeah. practiced. You have to be very uh, regimented. Yeah. Is that a struggle with some of the young, you know, like what, what, what are the ages, first of all? <laughs> and uh, is that a struggle to sort of uh, get that level of discipline necessary to be a top tier performer? Yeah, well, when the singers come to us, they usually finish their primary training, right? And you know which ones probably will make it and which ones probably won't uh, because of the level of discipline. They come to a, to a rehearsal, they're ready to sing, they're focused, 
they take good direction, and they're brilliant on stage. I mean, we try to look for singers who have, obviously, the talent that will take them further and will also mesmerize our audiences because we've got this twofold goal. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the term it factor. Can you just sense that now after all these years? Like uh, if someone just has it? Or is that just you know, Hollywood I, speak for ridiculousness? I like, yeah. I like that it factor. I wish I had one of those, what is, you know. He's <laughs> <Something>. got it. <laughs> well, is that, is that, is that, an, is that teachable? Um, I've had voice teachers who said it's not teachable. They believe that you have to have what he called the killer instinct. Oh. Yeah. You have to really want it. You want, want it so badly that, I mean, because if you stop and think about artists, for the most part, rarely are they going to make the kind of money that most other fields are going to get. And it's hard. It's just a, it's a tough job. You're dooming yourself to a life of struggle. Yeah. In a lot of times. And yeah. it's just kind of built in with the with the medium yeah. and with the with the profession almost. Yeah. So if you're not willing to sacrifice and give up time, energy, money, sometimes you're you know, you're not eating well because you yeah. can't afford bills in some time. So how important is it for us as a culture and as a society to recognize the plight of the artist and to try to support that world more. Okay. I like that question because to my mind, it's not just about the artists. It's about, it's about society. It's about our communities. If we didn't have art, what would we have really? I mean, you know, art gets to the heart of, uh, of who we are. So that's how important it is. If we don't have art, you know, I'm looking around this room and looking at the artwork here. What would it be without it? You know, uh, when you get up in the morning and you think, what should I wear today? Some artist has taken the time to think about putting clothes together, fabric together, textile together. When you look in your home, you know, when you go outside, where would we be without art? Honestly. Great metaphor. Or uh, what's the word when it's a not a. Rhetorical question. That's what I'm looking for. Great rhetorical question. Where would we be without art? Um, why has there been a disconnect then between the average person and the average, let's say, school district who's like, ah, cut that art. We don't yeah. need that stuff. As long as they can add and subtract and uh, and mix chemis chemicals in a beaker, we'll be fine. Why has the arts been the first thing on the chopping block and sort of the the thing that people don't understand the the value of quite to the level of perhaps other vocations i i think that um there's just been a disconnect uh people are not as aware of their surroundings and mm -hmm. and and their lives they don't they they see uh and north americans in particular are are just we failed in that area, you know, in terms of understanding how powerful the arts are. Um, there are the few that, that make it. I mean, even though we, we spend a lot of money on the theater, we not, well, not the theater, but I mean, movies. Gotcha. And things of films, that yeah. sort, films. Uh, 
we we just haven't trained and we haven't taken the time to look at it we haven't we don't allow our children to see it i remember having as a guidance counselor at one point having a conversation with a parent who uh, said anything but art i said really <laughs> anything but art what could be more offensive <laughs> to a man of your stature and, and history anything but art. so how did you respond I said, well, you know, that's interesting, and, I, and much like the conversation I had with you, I said, well, what, what would you, what would you do if your kid woke up this morning and there was nothing, there was no color on the walls, and you know, things of that sort. Art is a part of life; we live it. It makes, it enriches our lives in in so many ways, and people just are so unaware of that. For me, it seems like there's just a disconnect between if it's if there's not a direct link from A to B then people don't understand it. Art is kind of A to B to C to D, and then you get to E. But yeah. if you there's no A to E connection, so people don't think that there's a direct value yeah. of it. So how do we bridge that gap and un- make them understand that the arts is inherent and sort of intrinsic into the human experience? Okay, so much, unfortunately, North Americans understand cash. Money, money, money. <laughs> exactly. Money talks. You know? And it's much like education uh, when I when I stop and think about it, you know, uh, because I guess for me, arts and education sort of go together, um, but they're not valued. Why? <laughs> and how do we how do we show that value other than just like, well, look at, you know, you can't maybe that's part of the problem is you can't have a direct um, you know, A to B, here's how much money the arts is, uh, is producing or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. So is that the issue? It's just like a well, bottom line type deal. You know, it, it's like the artists have been trying time and time again. I know that when I was in with the Winnipeg Arts Council that, that we'd done a study that showed just how much the arts bring into uh, the financial wellness of our city and of our province and and i mean time and time and time again you try to to get this through to politicians and they they can't hear it you know what i have no idea it's uh it's like we're living in this sort of society that will hear what they want to hear is it just a is it just the type of person who would choose to get into a life of public service is less so inclined to have a strong passion towards artistic expression. I hope that's not the case. Well, it, like, because why is there that? Why does there seem to be why that, is disconnect? that disconnect? Yeah. I know. I, uh, you know, I have been trying to figure that out for years. You know, um, I think Winnipeg. When I came to Winnipeg. 15 years ago, one of the things that made it livable for me was that the fact that there was a thriving art scene that's very strong. Ballet company, jazz, uh, no, I'm sorry, well, jazz was there as well, but also the orchestra, the symphony, and the theaters was rich, and the dance, uh, contemporary dancers, I, I mean, I would go back to New York, and people had heard of Winnipeg through these organizations. Um, why you wouldn't want to add to the wealth 
of what you have. Something that that uh, gives you a notoriety is beyond my my understanding. I love that we have that reputation too. Why do you, I have a theory about it? I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. But why do you think Winnipeg has been able to um, put itself on the map artistically? As a you know, is it just because we've had some big names come out of here? Is it because like why why is this little this little city in the middle of Canada? known in New York City? I think we had visionaries. We had visionaries who were not afraid to, to, um, to risk things and to, to, to go out and challenge the rest of the world. I mean, people like Arnold Spohr were all over the place to, to trying to understand what quality dance is and and making sure that rwv was exposed to those dancers and competing with those dancers and that they could compete on the world stage i think uh, people like um and i i just think that we are visionaries we've had visionaries who who were willing to make uh those sacrifices make inroads and yeah the, yeah I like your answer a lot better than mine. I've discussed this with other artists and other proponents for art, but I just, I think part of it, it's, and I'm grossly oversimplifying, but I think when you're stuck inside eight months of the year, yeah. that's a prime time to work on your <laughs> art yeah. and really hone it and then become extremely passionate about something. So I think that's part of it is just we're, we're holed up here. You know, you can't do much else other than, play guitar or practice your singing yeah. or, or dance or whatever it might be yeah yeah i, I guess i guess that though uh, it, there are still i mean you still could you you, you could you might still remain somewhat cloistered hmm. if it weren't for these individuals who say you know let's make it a community thing you know and i think arts pulled the communities together i think it's important when you go back to New York, is that is New York where you find a lot of inspiration currently for for the arts, or like where do you find your artistic inspiration these days? You know, it's, uh, it, it varies. Sometimes it's in a little town. Sometimes it's New York. Um, I New York is where my inspiration started. You know, I I, I, I see some of the best companies. Uh, from around the world and choirs and musicians and it's exciting it's cool when there's little hubs like new york where, wherever it is where people go there nashville for example for country music you know hubs where people go to make it in yeah. their art form yeah. is winnipeg that and if not how do we get there oh that's <laughs> that's something that's a conversation i've been having with a number of people and i i, I think winnipeg is an art center almost almost the problem is it's we don't have people coming here yet uh, and part of that is, i think i'm going to put in a plug for agassi uh, at the agassi chamber music festival i think activities like that where uh, they're bringing in performers like top-notch performers from around the world uh for a week are the type of things that we need to do more of so we so that we are always exporting 
because we, you know, we're, it's, we're like a petri dish where people uh, are trained and then they go elsewhere. But I think this again is one of my my pet peeves where I, I wish government would open their eyes and realize that they can. This is a gold mine if you just put your money where it should be. You've done a little bit of work on theater and stage and in film as well. Do you think that we're we're on the right path when it comes to that um, incentive for for film to come to Winnipeg and to do work? Because we're seems like we're fairly bustling in that world, but not maybe not so much in other art forms. So, like, talk about film and and sort of the difference in that art form and why it's a little bit more easy to maybe sell on a political level. Um, when there's there's money right up front there's so much money in film yeah <laughs> you know uh that i think you can't ignore that particular element uh the other f- art forms take time mm. and and you may not get as much of a return but culturally you do get a return and 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 in terms of reputation you get a return and all of a sudden you're building a community where people have some place to go and they feel good about that community and then other places say you know businesses say well that's not such a bad place look at all the things they have going there and so they come to winnipeg with their people because they have something for their people to do there's a life it's not a survival thing you're living that's it yeah very well said i've heard many people sort of have that sentiment it was like if you create a a cultural hub first business will follow because the people who are running those businesses want a quality of life that includes being able to consume beauty, like top-notch world caliber art. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. So, where do you think Winnipeg needs to focus on more than currently we are, or Manitoba even, or or Canada, or North America? Let's start small. Sure. <laughs> or just in this room, where should okay. we focus? Our focus, I think, it should be in creating uh, creating a, a, an environment where people can flourish. You know, where where there it's rich, not just culturally, educationally, and you know, business wise. Yeah. What about the argument that? A lot of the best artists have sacrificed a lot, have suffered a lot, have gone through trials and tribulations that we sometimes can't even imagine. If we make it easier for them to survive, will the art suffer at all? (laughs) Will the caliber of art go down if the... I think the artist will tell you, no, feed me, I'll be all right. For sure, for sure, but... There is the argument, you know, for comedy, uh, for music, for for art forms that I'm familiar with. There's this weird obsession with suffering, and almost glorifying and 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 romanticizing <laughs> suffering in art in that art. Yeah. So, w- help me help me learn that lesson that that's not necessary. You know, I I, th- I think that. Um I think artists, often many artists have 
that temperament. It's all right if they eat, they will find, it's almost like, you know, I, how many how many successful artists have we seen who are still pining, right? Who, who, who are still depressed, who are still seeing the world in a very odd way. I, I think that's almost innate, you know, uh, so uh, it's okay for them to be able to eat, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I uh, when I was looking around for uh, at certain real estate in New York City, there are certain cities that realize that the the power that art brings to the community, and so what they've done is they they created these arts uh, colonies, as it were, where they are taking um, condominiums and giving them to artists for a much cheap, so that they can live comfortably, you know, but they can live and work within that space, and then the community benefits from that. I don't understand these people who cannot see. I mean, time and time again, if you look, at communities, artists move in, it begins to get better, and then other people move in, you know, so there, it's, it's a healing quality. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm conflating that suffering with just a, a, an acute awareness of the perils and the, and the difficulties in life. And you're yeah. not, you're never going to lose that just because you don't happen to be experiencing it at the moment. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. What have you learned about yourself and since starting um, the Little Opera Company and since sort of coming on this whole journey of, of helping people along with becoming young men and young women and functioning members of society? But how have you evolved over the last 25 years? Mm. Wow, that's, that's a good question. Um... I would say that um, I would say that in in essence, I I, I have a better appreciation for the people in my life. Um, don't get me wrong; there are moments when there are things I can't afford that I think I should have done something else. <laughs> but. Uh, but I I look back at at at, at uh, my life in general, and I think how wealthy I am because of those interactions, those the, the people with whom I've come in contact, the connections. Yeah, and that's kind of talks. It kind of harkens back to what you're talking about when we bring in artists that are at the top of their game from other communities. That creates a connection here and then you kind of grow the the network of art yeah, in a exactly. way and you you can take inspiration from their style and then you can incorporate it into your own you can teach our style to them and, yeah. and it kind of creates this new synergy yeah, synergy yeah, beautiful um so at the end of our kind of riffing time together uh i like i ask the same seven questions to every single guest uh -oh. um they're pretty you know some are harder than others but don't think about it too much you want to just give her a go and we'll see what happens okay great uh it's called the just because segment so okay question one what is the first cause that you ever remember caring about uh 
teaching in the North End and making those students uh, understand how powerful art was. What was it about that interaction that... Uh, there was a sense that students in the North End, and most of the kids were from uh, Ukrainian background, and uh, we would have the festival, and the kid, the other teachers would say, oh, you're teaching in the North End. Oh, well, poor you, nothing can... And my, I, want, I knew that my kids, my kids uh, could do whatever they wanted to do. And so that was, that was probably the thing that really motivated me at that point. Yeah, I'm competitive. <laughs> so was it the arts that inspired that? Or you saw them and then that was just kind of a medium to, to get that out? Uh, that's when, when I, you know, when I said that I went from trying to teach the arts to teaching the students, mm. and that was that was uh, when I realized how wonderful these kids were. The focus shifted from the um, almost like the the professor teaching the subject to right. focusing on the subject comes second after after the kids. Right. Yeah, interesting. Question two, if, oh, this will be a good one. If money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers, what's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? Oh, I would uh, reach more people. <laughs> and what, what what's the message that you would hope to reach them with? Uh, what was the message that I'd hope to reach them with? I would like for them to, oh, there's so many. I, I, I can't even be specific there. I would imagine that I would like them to, to come out and try this. Just explore it. Allow yourself to be immersed for a while and, and, and drop all of your uh, pre-suppositions, as it were, as to where it is and what it is and just allow yourself to relish it. I'm guilty of that as well. There's certainly art forms that I don't understand, like ballet, for example. I've never, I've never gotten it. So how do we get people to give it a try? Just give it a try. Other, uh, you know, like what's the what's what's stopping us? Uh, <laughs> it's different for everyone, obviously. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, in a general sense, like how do you kind of encourage people to to seek out art forms that they don't understand? Well, you know, this is something, again, that another one of those crazy ideas I had where I would love to have just like an, a mini arts festival where people can go and just taste. It's like a tasting session, you know. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little theater, a little dance. A little. Just sort of, uh, yeah, the t uh, I like that idea a lot. How, what, what's, what's stopping you from getting that off the ground? How Energy. do we... Energy, oh, well, that's time, time, time and energy. Time, yeah. No, that's a beautiful idea of how, you know, just like a little piecemeal piece of this. And, and if you like it, go for it. Because there's so many different artistic avenues to go down. Maybe yeah. that's part of it too, is like, you know, everyone likes, has their certain thing that they like, whether it's movies, TV, books, yeah. you know, whatever art form it might be. But, you know, I mean, if, if I, I love the movies, I love TV, but there is nothing like live art. It's nothing like being able to walk into an art gallery and look at something in person or, or sitting in an audience and knowing that the uh, singer or the actor or the dancer might make a mistake because you're watching. 
you know, it, there's something artificial about film, but you can't beat that live experience. You can't edit real life. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And I, I completely agree. I'm the music music guy for the, for the most part, and nothing beats a live performance. Yeah. yeah. Question three, what's the biggest misunderstanding? We talked about this a little bit, but the biggest stigma about the arts that you think we need to obliterate? That everybody, some people think they don't understand it. They don't appreciate it. If you look around, you're living it. You live art. We live art. Yeah. It's inherent in the human experience. Exactly. Because art is just emotion, really. Yeah. Have you felt an emotion? Exactly. Then that, then you exactly. can enjoy art. Yeah. I like that. I'll use that. <laughs> Please. Uh, question four. What's a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan just wasn't, plan A wasn't working out for you? So many times in my <laughs> life I've had to pivot because a plan hasn't, hasn't worked out for, uh, it's happened obviously with, um, some of our planning for the little opera company where we thought that we would uh, be able to do a particular production but as funding goes you know you 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 have to turn things around and start again is there a particular moment or a show or or uh it's happened a number of times so, so you get used to to having to be on the tip of your toes and 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 looking for alternatives and still wanting to maintain quality and one of my favorite art forms is improvisational oh yeah any almost anything that has an element of improvisation i, I love because you really that's talk about people being scared to screw up right you're oh, yeah. really in the moment so does that do those hardships add to the scripted um, art forms as well because you're yes you're following a script and you're singing the notes properly of what you need to hit but having those improvisational skills seems so important yeah in every art form to me yeah uh, you know i almost like to think that life sometimes <laughs> some people say i improvise life <laughs> you it's know? a good way to do so, it so uh it's just being um being on your on your toes all the time mm -hmm. and ready for the next unexpected pleasure <laughs> <laughs> opportunity opportunity that's good right uh question five what's the best advice that you've ever been given um this sounds trite but this too shall pass <laughs> you know when you have those disappointments and you think you can't make it uh that's uh that idea that you you you'll make it through to the next one is was there a person or a teacher or a mentor that put that in your mind? Yeah, yeah. A teacher once said, you know, something had a performance that didn't go well. And, you know, you, your whole world is crushing, crashing in. And you think, I've got to give up. This too shall pass. That's such an uh, inherent aspect of youth. Yeah. Is every failure is the end of the world. Every exactly. success is the greatest moment of your life. right? Exactly. And so just kind of finding a way to... To find that balance. balance. Exactly. Um, question six. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to him right now? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think, go into business. No. <laughs> no. Other times I, I think it's just uh, that, that same idea that uh, you have to follow your dream. What good is a business if you're not 
Yeah, if you're not satisfied and fulfilled, yeah. Uh, Last question. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for your candid nature and your answers. Uh, What do you want to be remembered for? Um, I guess just in terms of relationship. Uh, Hopefully being uh, fair and kind and... uh, with friends and and others brings it back to that connection yeah what are some of your most cherished connection where where have your most cherished connections come from oh wow i have a uh i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of my former students who we we have become very good friends um and uh and then the artists with whom i'm working i'm only now starting to believe that i have the ability to mentor or to sort of pass on knowledge you know i'm <laughs> now getting to that point where i'm confident in my, in certain abilities and certain you know art forms or whatever it may be um how valuable has those have those relationships been of you being able to see a pupil or see a student start at a certain point and really evolve into a, a hopefully quality and, yeah. and an amazing individual. Well, you know, I, uh, some say you live vicariously th- mm. through some of my, I lived through vicariously through some of my students. Uh, a number of them take me along with them, you know, in terms of their, their lives, their lives. So it's, so it's not okay. Bye. You know, it's a, uh, we, we, we continue to, and I think uh, it, it happens with a lot of um, teachers. I look at Tracy Dahl and some of her students. You know, she uh, has mentored over the years and continues to mentor. So, I know I said last question, but one more question: what, what What would be some advice that you would have for a mentor, for a teacher, for someone who's in that role of trying to help guide a, 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 the, the fresh minds of our of our youth? Patience. <laughs> Patience. Have you always been patient, or did that was oh, that a no. learned skill? You can, they, the, when I when we at the boys' choir, they uh, they have a tendency when I say that was good, they say what? <laughs> because it's so rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a standard. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, well, the performance I saw a couple years ago was amazing from the boys' choir. Um, thank you for everything you do for the arts community. Yeah. Thank you for this podcast, and good luck with everything in the future. Well, thank you, Nolan, for all that you're doing. My pleasure as well. Thank you again to Spencer Duncanson for talking to us today. I know I've probably said this uh, about most of our guests, but I really enjoy his perspective as well um, on the arts specifically and just understanding the value that it brings other than, you know, entertainment or just the general things that people typically think about the arts. Uh, And thank you listening 
for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of The Cause and Effect or any of the previous episodes, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you happen to be listening. Uh, if you know someone in your life who would enjoy the show or one of the previous episodes, share it with them as well. I'm always, it makes me very happy when I see people sharing it online or on social media and talking about what episodes they've uh, they've liked. So thank you for doing that. Please continue to do so. We're, we're happy uh, with all the support so far. All music on the Because and Effect podcast is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear his original music at trentonburton.com. Special thank you again to Sonny Permolo and Robert Zirk for production assistance on the podcast and uh, to everyone at the Winnipeg Foundation for your continued support. Because An Effect is a podcast of the Winnipeg Foundation and you can follow them on social media by searching at WPGFDN on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can follow me at Nolan Bicknell on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's all for this week. Thank you again so much for listening, for tuning in. I will see you next Tuesday, same time, same place. And remember, Art is not a thing. It is a way. Bye-bye.